Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 275. In this episode, we talk about the conversations inbox, hacks, service hub protected knowledge base articles, and HubSpot's pirate ad. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, service, marketing, and operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Look okay, but crazy times globally at the moment, so we're not actually going to talk about it. Uh, we're just going to try and move on and distract each other talking about marketing and perhaps even a pirate ad. Yeah, so let's start with that. Our growth thought of the week was you discovered some HubSpot pirate ads. Yeah, well, discovered. Saw, saw them being mentioned by lots of people on LinkedIn and the socials. Although I think HubSpot have deliberately kept this a little bit quiet given what's going on globally at the moment. It seems might be a little bit, you know, tone deaf to be kind of pushing something like this. So I think you'll see more of this in in future. But yeah, they've they've released an ad. It's a full 60-second video based on Pirate. Now, what, did, what did you think of it, Ian? I actually quite enjoyed it, Craig. And I went through the YouTube channel and I was looking at what they had done. And I looked at the different versions. There were 15-second ones, 30-second ones, slight different variations in the introductions. They'd even use different tracking links when you were clicking through to uh, sign up to HubSpot or to view the, the landing page. On the whole, I tell you what, I had a bit of a laugh and I thought it was it was actually well done, had a good story to it. So, yeah. All righty. Well, look, we've got a link in the show notes so people can check it out if they haven't already seen it. I'll have to say, I thought it was pretty dumb. I didn't like it. But the reason I'm mentioning that is because I know I'm in, I'm in the wrong because without exception, everyone that I saw commenting on it loved it. People saying, I've watched this multiple times. They love the main, uh, the comedian that is um, main character. They just love it. Like everyone loves it. So why do I mention that I didn't? Oh, by the way, I'll just give context. Like if I had saw this and MailChimp or Shopify or another brand was doing it, I would have said, you know, I kind of would have, yeah, I just would have bagged it out. But because HubSpot, I kind of thought, yeah, okay, good, good on your HubSpot, you do what you want. But why do I mention this on the show? Here's the reason why, because it's very important to separate expertise from opinions. And what this reminded me of, and I keep having to remind myself of, is that I'm not an expert in creative or these kind of ideas, creative ideas. And I'll say I'm not an expert yet because with a growth mindset, I could work hard too, but I don't have an intention to do that. But yeah, I'm not an expert in creative. And obviously creative minds have come together. They've thought about this, you know, so I look at it and I go, this just looks like someone's tried to do the Dollar Shave Club on with a pirate theme, you know, but someone else has gone, look, they've got a whole vision for it. They put a lot of money in it. So I've got to remind myself to stick to what I'm an expert in. I'm good at technical stuff. I'm not good at this. And so this needs, and this is why I'm mentioning it in the show to people, be very careful that you don't fall into the trap like I constantly do of thinking because I'm good in one area, e.g. HubSpot technical stuff, that somehow magically I'm good in another area, creative and um, advertising design. We're good at implementing campaigns. I'm not good at coming up with ideas that are creative for campaigns. Got to remember this. And so I think timing of, of this point that I'm making is especially relevant given that there's so many overnight experts turning up on social to comment on political and geographic issues going on globally at the moment. It's another reminder. And also I'll remind you of the green lumber fallacy. You've got a link to that in the show notes. You can look that up sometime. 
It's this idea that someone that is good in one sphere is good in another. And it's typically people are very good at talking about a particular topic. It doesn't actually mean they're good at the topic. So just a reminder there, stick to your skills. I don't know. Do you fall into this trap? I think you're much better <laughs> at not falling into this trap, Ian, but do you resonate with, with this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think if I take a step back, I would almost go to say, Craig, you are creative, but in a different way. So it's not that you're not creative at all. I think your creativity is like implementing campaigns. You're actually very creative in doing that in the more technical parts. But yes, we can all fall into that. And I do sometimes. Like I said yesterday, I sometimes just think, take things at face value. I have a little bit of a chuckle and I carry on. It has to be super bad for me to go, oh, that was terrible. And it wasted my time. But generally, I'm fairly lighthearted and I'll just have a laugh and I'll carry on. <laughs> I think that's a good approach. One of the things we're trying to do in our firm is with the team, I'm trying to get them to be more confident when they have expertise. Because if a client is asking you a question, you've kind of got three main responses. One is expertise. And if that's the case, you have skill. I want my team to be confidently responding. Yes. But if they don't know, they need to call that out. And I, you know, I think I'm good at this part where I'm saying, I don't know. So I never try and make up or, you know, fudge something. I'm just like, yep, don't know. Yeah. But the third part, which is a, is a struggle, is having an opinion. By the way, this is different to taste. So, uh, for example, I'm not good at graphic design. So, if a client says, oh, what do you think of this design? I have to say, look, I'm not a designer. This is just an opinion. It's not expertise. But that's different from taste. I really like the color blue. So, if someone's designing our logo and things, I want blue. I'll have a strong, well, we'll call it opinion, but it's actually taste. That's fine. And if a client likes a design for their website, that's taste. doesn't necessarily mean they've got skill. And that's perfectly fine. But the danger is when you start calling out your opinions on a design as if they're expertise. And so that's just a common example. So a reminder, people there, get expertise input into your team. Look for experts. Yeah, absolutely. All right, on to our quick shots of the week. And here's some things of interest that you might like to know. And first one is there are filters on the task app. Now, listeners... You might think, hang on, I've seen this before on contacts and companies. Believe it or not, it hasn't been on the task app and it's appeared on the task app. So that's one thing. And then there's also a time zone column, which is helpful for dealing with people in different countries. And so I've added that time zone column in. And it is it is great because you can see, especially we're dealing with people across multiple time zones, when it's due in that time zone, which is actually really useful. So the next one is the smart chart in the custom report builder. And this is to help with visualization selection. It's a little button on the on the selector and it guides you towards the best way to structure your reports based on what fields you've selected. So here's a bit more interesting things happening. And another one related to that is to do with the scatter plot visualization. And that's in the custom report builder. It gives you an easy way to identify trends, pinpoint outliers, and answer key questions, as HubSpot says. So well worth trying that in a report. Or maybe you have a report that you've had before and you said, I wish I could do this. Now you can go back and do that. So go and review your reports in the Customer Report Builder. And finally, two more. We've got simplified workflow alerts, making it easy for you to track down 
problematic workflows or errors that are taking place, which is really helpful, especially once we start seeing more complicated workflows in your system. And finally, quote-based workflows are available in Sales Hub Pro. But note, this update does not include the ability to create a quote from a workflow, which I got excited and go, oh, okay. And it was really to do with some other integration, I think an accounting integration like QuickBooks. And quote approvals actually remain a feature of Enterprise. So this is kind of like half an update inside Sales Hub Pro. So can I just check? So quote-based workflows, were they previously Enterprise only? I think so, Craig. Wow. So triggering a workflow based on a quote action is now Sales Hub Pro? Correct. Right. Yep. All right. On to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And Craig's going to take us away. We're using conversation inboxes to manage marketing email replies. Yeah. Look, just as a general summary, conversations inboxes are awesome. I think most people should use them. I think they're available in, are they in free? They're definitely in Starter. Yeah. Yep. Really good. So here's the scenario a client was asking about. They wanted to actually send a marketing email and have replies CC to other people in their team. Okay, so you send an email, marketing email out with thousands of people, you might get a few replies. There's a reply to address that that comes to that you can set on the marketing email, but can it CC others? No, you can't. There's a community thread where people would like that. So then I was like, well, no, you can't do it. But look, here's a bit of a workaround. It's a little bit of a hack. It's not particularly elegant, but it does actually open you up to a bunch of things. You can create a conversations inbox for the replies. So set the reply to address to be marketing replies at your domain or your company.com. And they will go into that conversations inbox. And from there, you can actually create a conversations workflow and you could notify others. But in doing that, I thought it was good because it highlighted a whole bunch of other scenarios and benefits of conversations inbox. And one of them we're actually going to go through later in the show, shot six, which is about actually being able to filter out out of office replies and things like that. Common question we get from clients is like, oh, I'm sending out thousands of emails in a marketing campaign. The reply to address just floods my inbox. Can we do something about that? And I'm like, yeah, you can create a conversations inbox and set some of the deny list things. We'll go through that in shot six, cleans out all those automated out of office replies and things like that. So makes it much cleaner. So that's a benefit. But then just a few other things to mention. The other thing with conversations inboxes is because you might get those replies, you can then start doing some reporting on how many get, how quick people are to respond to those replies. There's also additional benefits. If someone goes on leave, this is a common one, they're on holidays. Oh, who's getting the replies from the emails? Well, they go into conversations inbox. You can have other people, other team members checking that in your absence. So there's no mucking around or saying, oh, I sent to someone else while I'm out of the office and all that kind of stuff. So a whole bunch of little use cases there and a potential hack. I just feel that conversations inboxes, they're a great feature of HubSpot. I don't think they're used by many people. Most of our clients don't use them. We use them. We've actually got five conversations in boxes in our firm that we use them for. So if nothing else, the takeaway from this shot is set them up and start playing with them if you're not currently using them. I mean, I know you use them, Ian, don't you? Absolutely, Craig. So we use them mainly for clients requesting tasks from our team. So we never miss anything. So it doesn't go to one person and get missed out. We're able to route it and do certain things with it. So it is a great place to start. And I'd start with something small and work your way through 
to test it out, but well worth implementing. All right, on to HubSpot's sales feature of the week. Email scheduling to send emails at a preferred time. And I think this is another underutilized feature where it could really help you increase your open rates and reply rates from contacts. So this feature works the best inside HubSpot. And if you're already going through a task and you've got task lists and you're utilizing this, this will show up. So what you want to do is you get the option to send at a later time. And with that send at a later time, what it allows you to do is it gives you um, best time within the next 24 hours and the best time to send within the week. So obviously, depending on how urgent it is, you can do that. And the system is worked out based on your communication with that contact and when they've opened things, when is the best time to send it. Now, you'll see a little animated GIF in the show notes. It tells me that for Craig in the next 24 hours, if it goes at 6 10 p.m. That's the time that he's most likely to open my emails. But actually, the best time to send during the week where Craig is not interrupted is on Sunday at about 1.50 after he's had <laughs> lunch, right? <laughs> so he's clearly going through his inbox at that time. And this is very interesting insight. And it even gives you a percentage of how much better it is. So in the first one, I said in the next 24 hours, it said there's a 4% better chance. But on the Sunday, there's a 10% better chance that he's going to open this email. And these are some of the little tips and tricks that we find in HubSpot that can make your life better. You know, I can personally vouch that that's pretty accurate. I, I think, um, yeah, people know that I batch my emails and things. I do them. And quite often I do them at the end of the day. I've had back-to-back meetings. And then, yeah, six o'clock is probably when I'm going through most of my inbox. So that's that's spookily accurate. And, yeah, Sunday I tend to just get prepared for the week and clear my inbox as well. So that is... That is spot on. That is very. So there you go. It's freaky. And don't forget, if this is anybody who's using it within HubSpot, can utilize this feature if you've got your inbox connected. All right, onto HubSpot service feature of the week, and this is what we were talking about earlier: is the member protected knowledge base article. So you need to have your knowledge base set up, and you got to have Service Hub Professional Enterprise, and this functionality we were surprised to learn is a part of Service Hub Professional, but also is in CMS Hub Enterprise for other page types. So just be aware of that. And it is different to the basic password protected page features that's available in Marketing Professional. So I'm going to let Craig take this away and explain a bit more about the protected articles. Right. Well, protected, yeah, as you said, it's different to just, oh, there's a password on the page. This is uh, a login to view a page, or in this case, a knowledge base article. So we've got some screenshots in the show notes about the experience someone would get when they need to log in. But how do you give access to it? You just create a list. It can be an active list of contacts. So we might say, for example, if we had a knowledge base article, we only wanted HubShots subscribers to be able to access We've got a list in our portal of anyone who's signed up to get the show notes. I can say, oh, only contacts in that list can access this article. And so then if they go to it and they haven't logged in, they'll see an option to log in. But also when we give access to it, it automatically sends out an email to everyone in that list saying, oh, sign up to or register rather to get access. So it's very nice. It's a very good experience. The email that goes out actually includes your branding pulled from the service hub settings and yeah, it, it's really nice. Uh, I, I quite like it. The main thing was I thought this was enterprise only. I was very surprised that this was in Service Hub Pro. So I think that's really good. Unfortunately, other things like 
pages or landing pages, that kind of protection, that's an enterprise function, but knowledge base articles, Service Hub Pro, nice one. All right, on to our HubSpot Conversations tip of the week, Craig, and this is following on from our earlier conversations discussion, and it's about the conversations inbox allow and deny settings. So this is really handy. I don't think a lot of people know about this, but yeah, if you're getting a whole lot of emails going into a conversations inbox, you can actually, they call it deny, I guess I'd call it filter. They call it deny and automatically mark as spam, which sounds a bit harsh, but it doesn't unsubscribe as someone is sending in that. It's just that those emails get marked as spam in your conversations inbox. So they're taken out of your inbox and they don't clutter up your day. So the four types are automated response. This is the, the main one I'd recommend everyone turn on, which is the out of office replies. You send emails to someone, you get an out of office. You don't want that taking up a new conversation in your inbox. There's others such as marketing emails. If it can register, oh yeah, this is just a standard newsletter or something. Yeah, take that out of your conversations inbox if you want. Role-based emails, support out, marketing out, sales out. It can filter those out. Now that one's kind of variable. For some people I'd say, yeah, turn it on. We do. For others, I'd say, no, leave that off because you might actually want to receive those. And then subscription link email. So if there's an email and it detects, oh, it's got an unsubscribe link, well, we can just automatically mark them as spam because they're probably not actually a reply from a person one-to-one. Now, where is that? It's actually hard to find. You might think, oh, I'll go into conversations inbox, check my channel and check the inbox setting. No, you've got to go into settings, got a screenshot and go into the allow and deny list for inboxes. This applies, unfortunately, to all inboxes. You can't set it per inbox. That would be nice, but it's still, you know, it's it's a global setting. I have them all ticked on. The other thing I'll note is in the screenshots, we've actually got some screenshots from some of our inboxes where it shows the spam. Like we're in one of our inbox things, which does customer support for one of our brands. It's had almost 3,000 of these replies, which have just been marked as spam. I occasionally go through them just to check there's not false positives. It's really good at catching them. So that's actually about twice as many valid emails that we do manage. And I've got a graph of all our conversations inbox emails we've serviced over the last couple of years. So that's actually reduced our workload down to a third of what it otherwise would be. So thank you, HubSpot, allow and deny settings on conversations inbox. You're saving us time. So, Craig, I have one question for you. By ticking the automatic response email and marking it as spam, right? So, let's say you get that from me this week and I'm Mm. back at work next week. If I reply to that email, for example, which goes back into your inbox, will it – I'm assuming it won't be marked as spam, right? It marks the email as spam, not the contact as spam. Okay, so if you send me an auto out of office, yeah, yeah. that goes to spam. But if you okay. then reply validly, you, yes. it, it won't block that. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Can be a bit misleading with those settings, but I just thought I'd ask the question. Yeah. I, I think the word spam is sounds a bit harsh. It does, yes. But it should it should actually call filtered Filtering. out. That would be yes. nice. But yeah. Agreed. All right. On to our insight of the week. The science of when to post. And uh, we've mentioned, how do I even say this name, Craig? His name's Thomas, I think, but it's Thomas. Aria. Ari, Ari, uh, yeah, know. it's a Substack newsletter. But mm. yeah, I mean, I love the newsletter. I always look out for it. It's so good. Yeah. And it's got to do with evidence-based marketing. And we actually learn a lot from it. 
And then I think Craig mentioned he loves, he loves how he mixes psychology, scientific studies to draw out ideas to test. So I'm going to let you talk about this, Craig. I love these kind of posts, not because I believe them straight away, but I take them as ideas to test. And this is a good attitude to have actually for any of these kind of marketing tips you get, well, even from our show. Consider them ideas to test, not gospel. So in this particular one, he's looked at evidence that shows people sending certain types of posts on social get a response at certain, better response at certain times of the day. So in the morning, educational posts tend to be engaged with more, whereas in the afternoon, things that are more entertaining or purchase intent related tend to get more engagement. And the reasoning behind that, here's where the psychology piece comes in, is that, as we know, our kind of willpower depletes over the day. That's, well, that's actually up for debate in scientific discussions, but let's just stick with the, the, the usual understanding. Our willpower depletes. And so by the end of the, and that's that whole hang, hangry thing. People have heard of hangry, you know, don't be hungry and ang- angry, like kind of thing. And we've got links to this in the show notes, by the way. But the concept is, well, later in the day, you've got less willpower. And so you might be more likely to buy. So the takeaway from this, by the way, he's got a whole post with lots of other ideas, but this is the little takeaway I took and I thought, right, I'm actually going to test this. It might be true, might not be. So we're actually changing a whole set of campaigns for one of my wife's sites, which actually is a sales and e-commerce product, so that we only advertise from 4 p.m. onwards during the day rather than all day. So if you've been doing advertising for, well, probably the last decade, you're familiar with this concept of day parting. This is just an input into how to schedule your day parting. And I've got a screenshot from Facebook where you can basically run ads on a schedule and how we're scheduling the campaign. We actually started a little bit earlier on Sunday because I have a hunch that people Sunday afternoon, even before it's getting later in the day, are more inclined to buy, especially after lunch or if they're relaxing. So we're testing that. I'll report back when I've got enough data. Here's the other thing you need to do. You need to actually have enough data so you're just not fooled by randomness, uh, to use that expression. There's variability all the time, so don't mistake randomness for actual insight. Anyway, that's the tip. Like we've said, put it on your testing backlog. Don't assume it's true. Your mileage may vary, but sign up for his newsletter and just get more and more of those tips. I think like there's one a week, I think once a month we take an idea and start testing it. So test and measure, as we say, Ian. That's right. All right, on to our integration of the week. And this is actually Xsync for Zero from engaging.io. And we tested this along with another integration for a team wanting to create invoices and sync it to Zero. So here are some of the nice things that we discovered over the one we tried, even though the other integration that we were looking at was actually really nice, didn't fulfill the brief that we had, but I thought I'd talk about this. So you can create invoices directly from HubSpot because it pops up a little window like you're in Zero, so you can create that. It'll pre-populate the deal products amounts directly into the invoice. It'll also show you invoice and payment statuses in HubSpot, which is great. It'll add the invoice payments into the deal timeline. So that's really clear. Well, to be clear with you guys, that invoice has to be related to the deal. So if you've got other invoices against that contact, it's not going to show up. Just be aware of that. So it's ones that are created and that has that association. Like with all integrations, there's a little panel on the right-hand side and it'll show you whether the invoice is outstanding, overdue, partly paid or fully paid. So that's great. So you've got a good understanding of where things are at. 
and it pushes invoice information into the deal and contact properties. So you can create workflows using that data. So that's another big thing. And finally, which was one of the things that our customer wanted was they want to be able to get the link to the invoice and add it to a personalized email, which they templatized, but really personalize it because they have a small number of clients uh, that pay a lot of money. So they wanted to make a really personalized email. So they've got a template, which is highly personalized, and then they get the link to the invoice, or they can even download it as a PDF and attach it to the email and send it to them. So that was one of the key things. And this allowed us to do it. So well done to engaging.io for that integration. That's really nice. Can I just add some of my wish list items? Yes. Here's what I want, because I don't want to create the invoice in HubSpot. They've built it that way. I guess that's a use case that's been really requested. What I would like, and this might exist, I don't know, but what I would like is a sync that had all the existing zero invoices, because you know we've got invoices in zero back from years. I would like it to automatically sync those invoices to the contact because email address should be able to match. Yep. And then optionally also sync it to a deal or any deals related to the contact and also to put it against the company record optionally for that contact. So it had been all or nothing. There's no way that it could work out from zero which deal it applies to. So I'm not expecting it to do that. But I'll give you an example. So often we and many companies would have an ongoing retainer arrangement. So that's automatically generated by HubSpot every month. I just want that synced through to the contact and any associated deals because we probably only have one deal. If we've got multiple deals, I'm happy for the the invoice to be linked to all of them and just be, be aware of it. But then I can very easily see, and especially at the company level, be able to see all the invoices related to this client and what's outstanding as well. Because what I really liked about this engaging IO one is that it's not only got the invoice total, but it's got the amount paid. It's syncing that back from zero, which I think would be very handy. And so what it means is if any of our team, because they don't actually have much access to zero, but in HubSpot, they could very quickly see, oh, have we got clients? Is this client paid their bills or whatever? So, and perhaps even some reporting on it, things like that. I'd love to be able to see that. So it's kind of the other way, pushing from zero especially historically, up to HubSpot. Now, if that's available, I'd love to know. I'm going to check this X-Sync out further. Maybe it does already. I don't know. And there's some others in the app marketplace, but that's what I'd love. So if any listeners would also want that, I'd love to know. That's right. And you know what happened, Craig, is we tested another integration that they thought that would fit their requirements. Mm. And as we were testing it, most of these have seven to 30 days to try it out for free. And that's when we discovered it didn't actually fulfill all the things that they wanted. And so while we're in the process, I said, oh, let's try this. There were, there's only a couple, like there's only a handful. And I said, let's try this out. Let's see whether it fits the bill, meets your requirements. And that's why we decided on this. I did like the other one, but it didn't meet the use case, but I actually thought it was really well implemented. So we will talk about it at a later stage. So yeah, definitely. I would encourage people do this, connect it in, test it out, see whether it works. If you've got enterprise and you want and you've got a large HubSpot portal and you're worried about changes, create your sandbox and do this because that's another way to do it. But definitely well worth testing to see if it meets your needs. I think also just a final comment is was this available a year ago? Actually I think Inksic I think it was has yes. been around for a while, but a lot of the app marketplace mm-hmm. things, they're coming new. So 
what I just mentioned that I wanted, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not there already. It'll be there within the next 12 months. I mean, these use cases are popping up and people are developing stuff quickly. All right. On to our quote of the week, Craig. Fire away. All right. It's not often I pick the quote of the week, but I've got um, actually a little, little anecdote. I tend to write stuff. I think people think it's weird. I'm in digital and I read most of my books in paper format, except yes. for fiction, which I read on my Kindle, but anything that's nonfiction. And I also use a diary and I use my Hibernici Teco. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Ian's got I've got candy. it here. And I, yeah. I thought it was familiar because I was, because uh, on the pages, listeners, oh, you probably can't see, but there are little, um, what do I call it? Little yeah. um, sayings, et cetera. Little bites of wisdom. Bites at of the wisdom. Bottom that's great. Yes. So if you're watching this on YouTube and our video of the podcast, Ian was holding it up to the, the camera. But yeah, here's a little quote that really struck with me and I'm actually using it in training with the team. It's like, it says, people are not impressed by a lazy 70 from a person who can achieve 100. But if someone with 60 ability pushes their limits and approaches 61, then the spectator is moved to. People don't want to see skill. They want to see courage. I think they want to see someone be bold with a vigor that awakens their potential. That is so true. And I think we typically see this in sport. So if someone was just looking at overall results, they'd say, oh, well, Paralympians, they're nowhere as good as Olympians. But of course, we celebrate the courage and the effort people put into no matter what their their status, you know. And I think in business, we should be doing more of that. And in a lot of companies, sure, they have personal development, but they hire the best. I actually want to hire the people that do their best. And so I'm actually thinking how I'm happy to accommodate people with, say, less ability, as long as it doesn't drag down morale or overall excellence of other people in the team. If they work hard, I'd much rather someone that had courage and worked really hard within their abilities and strive to improve than someone who was exceptional and just was lazy sitting around doing that. And this is why, and I didn't quite understand until I read this quote, why I have that attitude. Yeah, we love courage. And by the way, not that we want to tie this back to when we started about world affairs at the moment, but the courage that is being shown by a nation at the moment is inspiring. And, you know, I couldn't escape not mentioning that at the end of the show. Be courageous, people. That's right. All right. On to our training of the week, finally. And this is the Service Hub certification. And why we chose this, because a lot of the things we spoke about were related to Service Hub in this episode. And so uh, this is a great certification to do, and it's great for anyone who is a service manager or who uses Service Hub or they're called service agents. And three key things you'll learn from this, create a frictionless customer experience using the help desk, help customers help themselves using the knowledge base. That's a really key thing. Improve the customer experience using feedback and advocacy. So that, I mean, they're three things that we often talk about, and I think it's well worth it should take you about an hour and 42 minutes to do that. So just be a note. Obviously, I think that'll be to go through all the videos. You can watch it at one and a half times speed like we do. If you want the certification, the certificate at the end, I think that is usually an hour. There are some quizzes through it, but then there is also the test to get the certificate. But well worth doing, I think, regardless of who you are, I think this will really help you understand. I think it's something I'm going to get all a team to do. Just mm. to understand when we're dealing with people the importance of making that frictionless and improving the process because I'll give you a little example. It's like, why ask people for all the information that we already have 
when they're returning something. Like, mm. just tell me who you are and what product it was and let, let us sort the rest out for you. Don't tell me, put all the product details, then tell me when it got shipped to you, etc. You want to make that as easy as possible. So let's just transform the way we think and make the lives of others better. Well, on that happy note, Craig, I shall catch you next week. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.